You're listening to The Ultimate Creative, a podcast designed to help creative entrepreneurs like you manage your multiple careers, expand your skill sets, and get more done. I'm your host, Emily Milling, founder and chief creative officer of The Ultimate Creative. another episode of the ultimate creative podcast i'm your host emily milling and i've brought with me today a special guest my partner justin DeClue. hello he's here because he has a fascinating creative career and you've probably already heard me talk about it a little bit so today we are learning all about how you created your career as a filmmaker as a podcaster as a writer um you've done about 8 billion different things, and they're all related to film. But I'm gonna let you talk a little bit about your career, how you got started, and how you got to the point where you're the author of two books and you're a podcast host for I don't know how many podcasts now. Well, I started because I love film and I was just following my passion. So, you know, because film was the thing that I wanted to do, I directed stuff, shorts, movies, none of those made any money, but because it is something that just consumes my entire life, that also extends to writing reviews, and that continued on towards podcasting. So I've written reviews my entire life, never made any money on it, just put it on blogs and stuff like that. It was titles like Film Junkies and Punch a Shark, and then eventually it ended up just doing podcasts. And I had done some before when I had done screenings and we did Q&As afterwards, but it wasn't until I started doing one with a friend of mine, Will Sloan, called the Important Cinema Club, that it really started to take off in a way that I could make money, where suddenly we were getting enough listeners that we could monetize it in some way. How did you know that it was time to monetize the show? It was something that I decided just because the stakes were so low. The thing that we offered monetarily was a bonus to what we were offering for free every week and continue to offer for free every week. So the idea was that fans who love listening to us talk every week want more of it. And through the service that we were offering, Patreon in this case, we were doing a whole other episode. So if you listen to us and thought, oh, I would like more of this, it's too short, then you could go to Patreon and we'd be talking for essentially another episode. That way, people who just listen to the normal feed don't feel ripped off, but people who really love it and look forward to it every week, they have to subscribe because they want the whole picture. When I tell people that you make the majority of your living off of this podcast, they're always floored. Um, and I'm really interested to know why you say it was really low stakes to start this out, to start out making money off of your podcast. Because a lot of people would say, like, that sounds like way too overwhelming to even begin thinking about that. Um, although, on the other hand, a lot of people ask, uh, how do I monetize my podcast? Like, that's the first question that they ask me mm -hmm. when, they, when they're asking about podcasts. I always say, just add it to your marketing mix because that's what's selling another product. But in your case, the product is the podcast. So mm -hmm. how did you get from... Um, I have a show that I love doing to it's very low stakes for me to start asking money for it to this is one of the main sources of my income. Well, the thing is that it was low stakes because I had another job and I was doing it at that time. And it was also low stakes that if nobody subscribed, we could just stop monetizing the podcast and it could continue from there. But the idea was that if we continued to do it and we got fans, then that fan base would grow and more people would become Patreon subscribers. And the thing is, I'm offering them something that is just extra 
And it just boils down to that once you have a fan base, somebody that really loves this thing, they're going to want more of it every week. And then somebody tattooed your faces on his knee. Yeah, somebody did. A fan <laughs> tattooed me and Will's faces, a logo for the Important Cinema Club, on their leg. It was not asked of them, and they just <laughs> sent it to us, and we were very, um, yeah. We were very appreciative after the yeah. shock kind of wore away. Yeah, I remember that. That mm -hmm. was a really fun time. Do you have any other super fans that, like, they email you all the time? What, what's your engagement like with your audience? So, at first, there wasn't that much engagement, and that's just because of me, because I don't like doing social media things. But I got over that. Once I figured out that because film is my passion, I'm talking about film all the time, I just share stuff that I like. And so if people are interested in the podcast, they'll probably be interested in as well the things that I share on social media. And that was probably the key when it came to making it something that was a constant flux of new information every day, is that if you're passionate about the thing that you're talking about, then you'll have no problem talking about it regularly. And also every week we ask for letters. So that's something that people really like to do, send us letters, hear us answer their questions. And most importantly as well is that I started doing a thing where I list everybody's name on the podcast and become Patreon subscribers. I wonder who suggested that a And you. that was you. <laughs> and that instantly um, helped Patreon numbers. People love yeah. hearing their names because it makes them involved with the thing that they like. So that was something that it took a while to figure out because I did the show with somebody else and it was always something that slowed down the podcast and made it feel weird afterwards mm -hmm. when I listed a bunch of names. So the solution to that was I would just record it by myself afterwards and just kind of have a little like intermission in the show where we would list all those names. So if they're Patreon subscribers, they'll listen to it and they're happy to hear their names. And if they're not, they can just skip ahead and just get back to the regular uh, episode. So it sounds like you have a pretty clear formula for, uh, for monetizing your podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there are a lot of different elements that go into this. I don't think people realize how much time you actually would spend on your show. Uh, let alone, and this is, we're only talking about one show so far. Mm -hmm. How many other shows are you recording right now? You've got two others. You've got the Bay Street Video Podcast, mm -hmm. and you've got No Such Thing as a Bad Movie. Yeah, that's it. Those, those two. At present, yes. that's it. Yeah. And you've also done um, Loose Cannons with mm -hmm. Matthew Kumar. Before that, you did the Laser Blast uh, podcast, mm -hmm. which is now um, a screening series at the Royal Cinema in Toronto. Uh, not currently amid the pandemic, but it will. It, it's every single month. Mm -hmm. um, how do you manage your time? Because people see all the things that you're doing, and they're like, they're blown away by it. Like you have, you have various websites, podcasts, you're working on different shorts every once in a while, you've made feature films, you've written books. How do you, how do you get yourself in a mindset to actually hold yourself accountable and do all of these things? And what are some of the tools that you've used? Because I, like, and we're going to talk about this too. Um, both you and I shift through a variety of different types of tools to manage our time and it changes constantly. So first question is how do you do all the things? Well, I mean, it goes back to what I started talking about at the beginning, which is I like doing these things, so it's not that hard to actually get to it. And that's a nonsense answer for anybody watching or listening to this that actually wants something concrete that they can use. Uh, the other thing is, and this is the main thing that I learned over time, is that you have to trick yourself into doing stuff. I can make the biggest schedules 
for me personally, and it's really fun to put together and impossible to stick to. So what I've figured out as the trick is the simplest thing is the easiest. So for example, if I watch a movie, I tell myself, okay, I got to write a review afterwards. And then after that, I can watch another movie or read a book. And if you have that kind of duality going through it, that's the easiest way to get through a day. So you give yourself rewards? Yeah, rewards. Do you give yourself punishments? No, I don't. <laughs> because if you give yourself punishments, I think what happens is that you start feeling bad that you have to do these things like you're setting an expectation yeah. and you can't reach the expectation which exactly. i am extremely guilty of mm -hmm. like i do that a lot but how do you then how does the reward um stick with you then like if you're if there's no bad outcome mm -hmm. how do you how do you continue to trick yourself as you say into doing everything that you want to well do? so when i say like tricking myself i mean that more in a actual doing the thing for me, it's there's a few tools that I use to be able to like write, and that's I play music, and it's music that I know, and that it just kind of becomes a background, almost white noise. And I found that I have a lot of difficulty writing on computers uh, or even laptops because you're distracted by a million things. And ooh, what what's that? Social media, Twitter. I'm clicking on it already. Mm -hmm. So one weird solution that I found to that is that I actually uh, do a lot of my writing on my phone with a little tiny USB. Uh, keyboard, a uh, Bluetooth one that you fold out and that I type on. Because on that little screen, that's my entire focus. It's, I can't access anything else. And so I just write and I kind of get lost in it. And that's how I got through, for example, writing one of the books that I did. Ooh, well, let's talk about your book then. Which mm -hmm. one are you discussing? And, and tell me more. So when, uh, so I wrote a book on a filmmaker called Radioactive Dream, the cinema of Albert Pyun. And the way that I got through that was actually just uh, posing limitations to myself. I said, okay, what is this book gonna be? Because if I try thinking about it too hard, it's gonna seem impossible mm -hmm. and I'll start to doubt myself. So the first thing I did is I decided I'm gonna review every one of his movies. I'm gonna set a word count on every review, about a thousand words, and I'm gonna try to do one a day. And if I do that, by the end of it, I will have a book. Now I can do more than one a day, but I have to do one every time that 24 hour passes. And I was able to do that and it grew from there. But thanks to those limitations, I knew that at the end of it, I would have something that I could go, oh yeah, there we go, that's a book. And how many films did you review in total? Uh, I think it was all the ones he directed. I don't know, I think 43, maybe more than that. So it took over a month to do this. Yes, a month. And you had initially set a release date for the book uh, to coincide with a laser blast screening of Radioactive Dreams. Yeah, so another solution to actually finish a project is that you put an end date. And the best end dates are the ones that you personally can't control or move mm. or change. So you need like this to be done for then. And that really helped me write that book. Having that end date is what allowed me to get to that point. Did we finish the book by No, then? we did not. We didn't. No, didn't it, really matter. You want to know why it was my fault? Because I was laying out the book and I didn't do it fast enough. Yeah, but, that's fine. <laughs> but you can still buy the book and yeah. I will definitely put a link to that in the show notes and the blog and the website. Mm -hmm. so, um, so maybe then let's talk about what happens when one of your tactics for time management stops working for you. Mm -hmm. Um, what happens that, like, what, how do you, how do you re-motivate yourself and how do you, uh, start tricking yourself or getting yourself accountable again to what you're working on? I don't know. You just feel bad until you start doing it again. I don't really have an answer <laughs> for that. I mean, that makes sense because I did spend 
a long time discussing motivation in episode two, I think, of this podcast and how to how to re-motivate yourself when you're um, when you're feeling really depressed. Because I mean, after you're finished a big project, that is a normal thing to happen, right? Is to feel really, really awful about mm. your life and about yourself and you question your abilities. I mean, I know that's true for me. Yeah, for me too, for everybody. Yeah. So we're just going to validate your feelings right now, I think, dear listener. Yeah, before. you're okay to feel that way after <laughs> yeah. you do something that you feel bad. Maybe let's talk about impossible horror. Um, that was a magnificent opus that lasted two some odd years mm -hmm. for us to put together. Do you want to talk about how the process worked for you when we were getting started and then how you were able to re-motivate yourself and keep holding yourself accountable when the project got off the rails and then how, how on earth we finished it? So the project Impossible Horror was a feature film that I wanted to make, the second one that I've uh, done. And the issue was that I wanted to do it fast and we planned to do it that way. But by the time the schedule that we had, we hadn't gotten everything. And then everybody pretty much just went in their different directions. And we had an end date of something that we wanted to send and I, we weren't accepted in it. And that's always kind of like a crushing blow. So where a it's film like festival. A film festival in this case, yeah. And so when that happened, it was like, oh, well, why do we keep going? Mm. What's the point? We have no end date anymore, and that's an issue. And then I think I started working on different projects because, I don't you know, like it's really easy to get burnt out, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to remember how we re-motivated ourselves to get remember. back on track. We just finished it eventually. Honestly, sometimes the only answer to these things is to just make yourself do it. And it wasn't easy. I, I mean, like... No. You and I had to work really hard on our personal relationship through the entire thing as well, because, uh, you know, if you're working with your your life partner, your romantic partner on uh, a project that is this level of complication and intensity and there are other people that are involved as well, it's really difficult to um, not uh, kill each other, I think. <laughs> So I want to, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning when we were talking about doing Patreon and mm -hmm. marketing your podcast. Um, can you just give us a whole whack of different things that you do to market not just your products, but also yourself? And, and I mean, you can also, you could talk a little bit about Gold Ninja Video, which is another mm -hmm. one of your, um, the ele another element to the Justin DeClue umbrella. Um, Talk about your marketing strategies around, maybe just like, how do you sell a new Blu-ray every single month? Well, so the Blu-ray thing is a project where we take public domain movies and we release them on Blu-ray with new cover art. And most importantly, because these are films you could find on YouTube and they're all over the place, is that we do a whole new bunch of special features. So it's an extension of what the podcast is, which is us talking about movies. But in these cases, they're movies that we're very passionate about and that we do commentary on them. So we talk over the entire movie as an audio option. We also do... Um, talks, me and my podcast co-host, Will Sloan, that can be 20 to 30 minutes long on the Blu-ray. There's liner notes. So the whole thing is like a physical collectible item and that it's an extension of the Important Cinema Club kind of brand. So it's, again, the same idea with the Patreon subscribers. If they're real big fans of the podcast, they'll probably be interested in the Blu-rays as well. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, they're very limited edition. So if you're a fan and you miss out, and some of them have sold out, fans are like, oh no, why didn't I just buy it? 
and that's how we've continued to be able to put it out, I think. FOMO. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think your strategy is so interesting. Like, it's it's not a business model that you... I don't think anyone else... No, I don't think anybody has has done that or has continued to do that because you need an inbuilt fan base that will already know and trust you, essentially. How would you you say that you have developed your your audience over the years? I think that just putting ourselves out there, um, we do a podcast that a lot of different subjects that people know and they don't know. So it's about building a level of trust in just taste and who you are, that there's like an authentic self that's mm-hmm. out there. And I think that we've been able to do that. We're over 200 episodes now that people, when they hear me talk or they see me recommend something, they have a pretty good idea that I'm on the level with it, that I'm not just putting it out there because I want to make some money, is that I genuinely feel passionate about it. I mean, that's the thing that started these projects, is passion, and that's the thing that I think keeps people connected to the things I do as well. You have all of these different elements that are fueled by the same passion. How do you make money off of that? So, I mean, it's different for everybody, right? And the problem with being wanting to be a filmmaker in this specific case is that it costs a lot of money to do. Mm-hmm. And there's this dream that you'll be able to sell a movie, you'll get tons of money, that never happens anymore. It just doesn't happen. So I realized that after I made my two feature films, and I was like, okay, so what could I do that could make money? And you know, I never started any of these projects thinking there would be big money-making opportunities. But what eventually came out is that once you're starting to offer something regularly for free to people and that they like it and then you offer them something that is an expansion of that then they'll start paying you that they've been doing this thing for so long that they're like oh i trust this person and i'm willing them to give and i'm willing to give the money to continue this experience in different ways and that's like the patreon stuff and that's also the blu-ray stuff Mm -hmm. well i think you've given us a lot to think about especially for anyone who's considering starting a podcast to just discuss something that they're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe like, you know, giving people a trajectory for where they could be in a couple of years. How long have you been doing the Important Cinema Club for? Four years, for I think. Four years. Yeah. I mean, like that is, yeah, that's a significant amount of time that you've mm-hmm. been building up over and over and over again. Um, if someone if someone was asking you right now, how do I start writing a book or how do I start doing a podcast or how do I start making a feature film? What would you tell them? Well, I would say find something that you're passionate about. And I think the second thing that uh, is very important, even though that it's the opposite of what's going on here, is that you need to find somebody to do it with. Uh, Because I think that's important when you do these stuff. Like my podcast, I do it with Will Sloan. Mm -hmm. Uh, My movies, it depends who it is. I do it with you a lot. You're a great support when it comes to that kind of stuff, or not support, just partnership. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you're alone, it can sometimes, it can just, you start doubting yourself and you just give it up and you want to do something else instead. Mm-hmm. But when you have somebody, and this person doesn't need to be like a 50-50 split. They just need to be there and you can ask somebody to bounce stuff off of. And I think that's incredibly important when you do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's real tough. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, you know, if you do have a vision that you're working on um, putting together with somebody else and and you have a really clear understanding of where you want it to go, bringing someone else on and and explaining what that vision to them is from the from the outset, I think, is a really good idea as well. Um, 
so that they can support it with the skill set that they have. Like yeah. Will, for example, also very passionate about film mm -hmm. and, and loves to discover new things about fil film. Uh, he's got a really great skill set with writing. So he's able to support you uh, with some of those elements as well. Um, but you're, I would say you're still probably the main uh, operational force behind the vision of the Important Cinema Club because you're dealing with a lot of the day-to-day -day operations. Yeah, Important Cinema Club is something that I started. I asked Will if he wanted to do it, mm -hmm. but it's become like our thing. Mm -hmm. And but like I edit the podcast, I run the SoundCloud, I run the Twitter page, I run the Facebook page, I do all that stuff. And mm -hmm. you know, he is like he's a partnership with it together. But it's easy because I'm the one that's like in control of all that stuff. Now, picking episode topics, it's like, you know, we talk about it every time. We haven't really had any fights about anything. So it's good. There's no pressure there about what the podcast should be. We're really on the same level about it. Yeah. And I think that's really important, too, because mm. if you start something like that or you bring somebody in and they're completely on the wrong level, I think you got to nip that in the bud earlier on or it'll become a real big problem or it probably won't get anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with all of those sentiments. So thank you so much for being my very first guest on the show because no we're in quarantine and... We live together. We live together. Um, Will I be wearing a mustache and like a hat for other stuff and I'll pretend to be other people? Yes. Okay. Woo! Yes. So if people want to hear your show, if people want to read your book, all that stuff, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at importantcinemaclub.com. They can read my book, Radioactive Dreams, The Cinema of Albert Pugin, by just searching it in Amazon, any Amazon. Any Amazon. And they can also watch my movies, Teddy Bomb and Impossible Horror by... Oh, the pizza's here. Also, you can learn about Justin at justindeclue.com because I made you a website. That's right. With literally all of this stuff on it. Yeah, so just go to justindeclue.com and you can watch the movies that me and Emily made together, uh, the feature films, by going to impossiblehorror.com and teddybomb.com. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. No problem. Bye. This is completely natural. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Ultimate Creative Podcast. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find this show. So if you found some value in what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Okay, time to go do all the things. Bye!